This Watch Out for Fireballs extra sode is brought to you by Carlo Dieron. Carlo Dieron. Yeah. Hey, Carlo. Hey, Carlo. He is I a, know you. Yeah, he's a longtime fan. Yeah. And uh, I, I'm Steam friends with you now. Yeah. And I've sent a message to you on Facebook and stuff. <laughs> like, we, I know Carlo. Hi, yeah. Carlo. Hi, Carlo. Yeah, you're a good dude. Yes, and you are also a Patreon backer. Yeah, two things that oftentimes coincide, but don't necessarily coincide. Yeah, uh, you don't have to be a Patreon backer to be a good guy. <laughs> but uh, if you haven't been a good guy, and you want to back a Patreon. <laughs> Go to Okay. Can I get the call to action clear at least? Yes. Yes. Go to patreon.com slash duckfeedtv and kick us however much you can, however much your uh you know your lifestyle affords you. Um mm-hmm. and uh, you will get something back, be that a backer blog or a uh, postcard or a chance to win a t-shirt. Yeah, and the t-shirts are great. So go to uh, patreon.com forward slash duckfeedtv like Carlo did mm-hmm. and join the revolution yesterday. My name is Gary Butterfield. My name is Cole Ross. And you're listening to a Watch Out for Fireballs Extrasode, a retro gaming extrasode. Yes, and this week we are reading your responses to Half-Life for the PC. Indeed. Um, You heard what we think, and now we want to know what you think. So I'll go ahead and get started off here with Sebastian. Uh, Sebastian says, via contact, I remember getting the original non-source version of Half-Life as a random gift from my brother on one Steam sale. Uh, The first time I tried to play through this game, I only got as far as the trash compactor. Once I heard you guys were playing Half-Life, I decided that now would be the time to beat it. I decided to start over from the beginning of the game and ended up beating it this time. The game was fun, but I could feel how Half-Life 2 updated some of the things. I found a lot of the enemies to be easy to kill, but some of the enemies, like the ones that shoot alien bees or the (laughs) tiny worms, to be frustrating to fight, and I often tried to run away from them, only to end up taking damage. Speaking of health, A lot of the times I ended up with little health uh, and saving after most battles. I felt like that didn't happen a lot in Half-Life 2. Didn't really have a lot of trouble with Zen, and I found the final boss to be very annoying, but relatively easy once you figured out what to do. Overall, I had fun with the game and was glad to finally beat it. Yeah, that's something we didn't talk about, but the quick saving can really fuck you. Yeah. 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 You know what's awesome? In, uh, again, just because I love it and I talk about it all the time now, in Divinity, mm-hmm. it automat- you just hit the quick save key, but it automatically keeps your last three quick saves. Oh, nice. So, like, if you if you do that to yourself, like, if you... Because you can save in battle, so you can really easily fuck yourself. Mm-hmm. If you do, you can go back to your earlier quick save than that. Nice. Yeah, in addition to, like, the full suite of auto saves. Yeah. And stuff. Like, that That game is is growing in appreciation so much in my eyes. Like, I, I that game is very good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm going to pass this along to you because I heard it in, ep- in an episode of their show. Uh, the Video Games Hot Dogs dude, uh, dudes, think you should do Wasteland uh, 2 for your uh, Infinity alike or, or for, oh, uh, for yeah. the Infinity engine. Yeah. I, well, I wanted I, I mentioned that actually mm-hmm. um, to do that eventually. And then we were I was going to do um, maybe do Wasteland 1 if I can muster up the like <laughs> yeah. the, the old CP CRPG patients. Yeah. For it. Because I would like to play Wasteland 1, but I just haven't, like, I've been trying to power through Divinity, so I haven't tried Wasteland 2 yet, even Mm -hmm. though it's just waiting and installed and, like, saying they're tempting me because it's made for me. This fall, I'm so fucked because it's, like, like Divinity I've been working on, then Wasteland 2, then Isaac Rebirth, and, like, that's really enough gaming to take up all of my time. Yeah. So. Yeah, this is a great fall, like because I just got Neverending Nightmares. We have uh, The Evil Within coming out pretty soon, and then we also have um, Aliens Isolation. Yeah, it is actually, um, going further, it's a great year for games. Yeah. Like, um, Shadow Returns Dragonfall came out. Um, Shovel Knight. In Shovel Knight. Shovel Knight's one of my favorite games that came out this year. This is this is one of the best game years for games in memory, mm-hmm. I feel like. Like, yeah. this is it's so good. Um, and Dark Souls, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> can't like, forget that but it's almost like you you have kind of have to leave it out a little bit yeah like i, I take it for granted but <laughs> like it's actually no i you know put tons of hours in that game it's really great yeah um and it keeps giving <laughs> like we're, we're you know just a couple days away from like the last little bit of that mm-hmm. the uh yeah it is what a great year for games yeah Wow. And I've said I've said this many times, like since the, the beginning of the show, but like it's a really good time to be a gamer because games are practically free now. Yeah. So like if you even if you have a very tiny budget, if you don't feel the need to play Destiny, mm-hmm. you know, you can you can buy really excellent games for 10, 15 bucks. Yeah. Like Shovel Knight is so good. <laughs> oh boy. Yeah. It's it's nice to be positive. And, yeah, like and right now, Binding of Isaac, I think, is 74 cents. Jesus Christ. Like that's a game I put like 750 hours in. That's, that's probably not true, <laughs> but I put so many hours in that game. Like I love that game so much. And 74 cents. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah, it's nice to have stuff to look forward to. I don't know. Yeah. It's good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so Jay says via the contact form, so glad you guys are talking about Half-Life. It's a favorite of mine. There are a lot of elements which really work well from uh, from the aggressive enemy AI to the exceptional sound design. But what Half-Life really exceeds uh, excels in is uh, the level design. Up to this point, FP, F, FPS games uh, tended towards large arenas and narrow, twisty hallways, uh, often seen in Quake and Unreal. Duke Nukem 3D was really important because it introduced natural feeling levels with scripted events into shooters, but Half-Life took that idea and made it uh, more structured and linear. More so than any other FPS I've played, um, Half-Life levels can be read. It codifies rules for the player without explaining the mechanics. So you know for the first time, uh, so you know after the first time you see a head crab when you turn a bend in a vent shaft to always check your corners. And sure enough, Half-Life loves to surprise you around corners. The first laser turret you encounter shows you from a distance how powerful it is uh, when a couple of head crabs meander into view. Uh, your first encounter with, uh, sorry, you first encounter a single black ops agent to get a feel for their movement uh, before entering the hangar where you encounter half a dozen more. Half-Life has a Mega Man approach to level design where you're presented with a small instance of a problem uh, and then in the next several rooms, they test what you've learned. I'm a big proponent of level design and I feel modern shooters have fallen to cinematic, cinematic design and invincible NPCs with follow above their heads. Also, I'll be the weirdo who admits he loved Sen. <laughs> Um, Hmm. It gets a lot of hate, rightly so in a few parts, uh, because of the jumping puzzles and the terrible final bosses. But Zen to me represents the only time in the game where I felt truly vulnerable. Uh, When the game drops you in this black, silent void of floating platforms, and the first thing you encounter is a dead guy in an HEV suit, uh, it actually made me pause uh, my first time through. Uh, that feeling quickly goes out the window when you start fighting Spider Balsack and the creepy floating baby. Uh, but it isn't—it wasn't until Prey came out that I felt engrossed um, in an FPS's alien world. Thanks for motivating me to explore this damn game, game again. I swear I play through it at least bi yearly. Wow! So this is a true fan. Yeah. Well, yeah. Thank you, Jay. And uh, not to—you know—I don't agree with all of the points you made, but I don't—I respect that, and I think it's super valid yeah. as a thing. Um, yeah, it's like obviously games are subjective, um, you know, and I think that a lot of things that you picked up on, I also agree with. Like the we both liked how the game kind of like introduces small situations and then kind of teaches them to you. Mm-hmm. Like that is something that's very good at. Yeah. Prey is interesting. Did you ever play Prey? No, it's I, I know it by its by, by its reputation um, as like this was it was the big boondoggle design game um, that took forever to develop. But mm-hmm. really, like, mostly by the memes that it generated, which are asshole doors and the, the the level that you play after you die to come back. Yeah, I think the I think the main character's name is Tommy Hawk as well. <laughs> yes, so, um, it has a really amazing intro. Like, it does the like barely interactive intro thing really, really well. 
Um, and then when I got to the alien, I think that this is one of these things with Jay where like, I think we're just born of different stock. Cause like I got, you know, a few hours into prey and stopped playing it. Cause I was not super immersed in the alien mm-hmm. world. So, but you know me, I'm, I've always moved to, I'm, I'm a, I'm a fantasy guy. I want mm-hmm. my wizards. I don't want my spaceships. Yeah. But if you play destiny, you get space wizards. Well, I do like wizards, <laughs> but I, I gotta go full fantasy. It's all willow. All willow. <laughs> all no willow. All the time. Yeah. Yeah. All willow, no thrillow. <laughs> all willow, no fillow. <laughs> there we that's go. what I like. That's what I like in a game. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I'm really sad that Prey 2 is apparently never going to come out. Yeah, the stuff it's that they were saying about it looked really interesting to me. There's a connection between that's a app, that's the last Apogee game, which are the people who did uh, Duke 3D yeah. or the original the original Duke Nukem yeah. game. So yeah, that's there's uh, some connection there. Some yeah. DNA. How weird is that? Like these are the stalwarts, right? This was published by Sierra. Yeah, I love looking at that Sierra opening screen, uh-huh. like just because it makes me think I'm going to play Gabriel Knight whenever <laughs> I see it. Yeah, <laughs> like it's such a nostalgic adventure game thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Corey asked us, uh, you know, to kind of mention our thoughts on Black Mesa Source. Yeah. Um, I think that we already talked about it a little bit. A little bit, yeah. Yeah. I think that, like, some of the the lack of things to do in Half-Life, like the lack of interactivity, kind of clangs with the super detailed environments. Yeah. To me a little bit. Like, it, it does, it, you're walking down more beautiful hallways, but it becomes a little bit more dissonant that you can't do very much in the hallways. Yeah. Like, it is, it is great looking. Mm-hmm. Like I'm, I'm into how it looks and I like the idea of it. Like an HD remake of Half-Life is valuable, but it does feel a little bit like it doesn't feel like it's without its kind of drawbacks. Yeah. I didn't feel like the visuals were what I was kind of banging up against when I was playing it. Yeah. So like the, the, the idea of, you know, it's laudable, like, and it's actually just a, it's a really huge feat that they managed to recreate this massive, um, like, you know, a, a private small fan effort managed to recreate this massive, uh, um, game that was created with a, you know, professional budget and a, you know, full publisher and everything. Um, but, uh, it just like, it's, it seemed to fix a, a thing that I didn't have a problem with. Yeah. Yeah. And that, and it probably that on the flip side of that, it probably fixed a, a problem that a lot of people had because like mm-hmm. we talk a lot about there's people who just can't go back to the old computer games specifically, it seems like. Yeah. Um, you know, like there there's all the like thousands of Fallout Three fans who wouldn't, you know, wouldn't be able to play Fallout One or Two. Yeah. Um, you know, in a way that people can go back to old Mario games. Yeah. It's just kind of interesting. Like old PC mm-hmm. games get this weird this weird kind of treatment, which it makes sense. I'm not yeah, yeah. trying to be kids you day kids kids these days about it. Yeah. But like for some people that probably solved that that mm-hmm. problem. And then in that case it makes you want HD remixes of fucking everything. Like yeah. make a like, system shock that looks good so people will play fucking system shock. Yeah. Like take this. I mean it's it's like it's a weird archival effort almost. Mm-hmm. Like let, let let's keep the let's keep the core of this alive, but actually make it more palatable to people. And that's right. what I think is interesting about these uh Halo HD remakes that are that are coming out. Where mm-hmm. you can switch back and forth, or you know, l- l- less objectionably, the, the you know the Monkey Island ones, where yeah. you know, like w- like where you can you can kind of see. So the history is maintained, but it's kind of you know sugar coated in a way that gets people you know tricks people into liking it. <laughs> yeah, the, the the Monkey Island one's great. Yeah, for that, like that's a, that's a real yeah real hallmark of how to do that. Yeah. And and like I, I I will speak well of the Halo HD remake as well. No, I like, just haven't played that one. I just that's a I wasn't yeah. coming on that, but yeah. Um, so I haven't played, uh, too much of the, of the Black Mesa, you know, source for, mm-hmm. you know, for a lot of those reasons. I tried to do it a little bit more, you know, I tried to download like the full version or what passes for the full version now. Holy hell, it's really difficult to find that in a way that, mm. you know, <laughs> I, I don't know, like PC shit. Well, yeah. Like uh, you go to a download page where every ad looks like a download button and I'm like, fuck this. 
Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well. um, direct download is what you're looking for. <laughs> yeah. But uh, all the ads look like direct download. Yeah. <laughs> Well, it has to say direct download. Yeah. Like, and just plain text. That's what I always look for. Yeah. On those things. Mm-hmm. But you're right. Like, it is it is unacceptable. It's yeah. people trying to malware your computer. Yep. I'm going to need to ask you some tips on demalwareing my Windows machine. <laughs> I, I will. I will I'll do my best. I, I, you know, just end up running Microsoft Security Essentials. Yeah. On it is all I do. Yeah. So uh, I, I do no, no web browsing on this thing. It's literally just a Steam machine, except for maybe one or two times where I've opened a browser and now it is full of sp- spyware. <laughs> okay. Uh, so Murph Murphy writes in VA Contact. Hey, Murph. Um, saying, uh, focusing on a favorite feeling, Half-Life has you fighting alien swarms, but then the level when the government kill squads are introduced is a great change of pace, and uh, the real enemy is humans, except, whoops, it's actually aliens. Uh, The (laughs) telegraphing with the radio chatter, hiding before revealing themselves, and the squad-based tactics. Sure, they are a bit of a bullet sponge, but the the moment sticks with me. Just real quick, Murph. Mm-hmm. Like you got to work on your sentence structure, buddy. <laughs> like those are some really confusing sentences. Yeah. Like focusing on a favorite feeling. <laughs> Half Life has you fighting alien swarms, comma. <laughs> but then the level when the government kill squads are introduced is a great change of pace, and the real enemy is the humans. Parentheses, except whoops, it's actually the aliens. And parentheses. Okay, so I like, take responsibility for this. I normally edit these. This was at three three a.m. last night. Well, you don't if if you don't have to take responsibility for not editing it mm-hmm. unless you edit it into incomprehensibility. Well, and I'm only I'm only being mean because I know Murph. So yeah. <laughs> hopefully he won't have his feelings too hurt by that. But like, <laughs> just, those are some confusing sentences, friend. Yeah. Oh, uh, but salient points. It's a great reveal. Yeah, yeah confusing sentences. Salient points, <laughs> Dork Knight podcast. Um, <laughs> I, I can't really throw shade about confusing sentences because I, I say some fucked up shit. Oh, I do too. Like, I'm not, I can't speak. Um, it's not a thing I can do. Um, but they, yeah, I think you both, those are good. Those are good points. Yeah. I agree. That's a good chapter. Um, yeah. Alan says, uh, by contact. Uh, finding something you won't likely to have discussed during this episode is difficult, and I apologize if you dealt with this already. I've been reading your Facebook post detailing how you're not enjoying the game so much. Do you think that your lack of enjoyment is a symptom of your overall dislike of first-person shooters generally, or the, or is the origin of your distaste endemic to Half-Life? Um, we, I feel like we talked about that in the wrap-up. Yeah. And I think there are elements of both. Mm-hmm. You know, to it, like, I do feel like the, the if you think of this as a branching evolutionary path, I don't love where it led um you know that is like the half-life specificness and there are you know just the kind of like limp shooting and stuff that happens in it mm-hmm. you know but then also it's not my favorite genre so i'll admit that yeah you know and you know i wouldn't say that I actively dislike uh first person shooters i've spent a lot of time playing halo um in the past you know i like yeah. I, i've dipped into this i had times when i was in a uh you know team fortress classic clan you know like <laughs> i have I, I i've put in a lot of time it's just a matter of you know in, in terms of what is interesting for me to discuss or think about or dwell on um fps's just don't speak to me that well yeah you know like you say it, it's, it's it's not something that leaves like a like a like a strong mark on me artistically so I, again not trying to take anybody's games away i think that's the reason why i don't like thrust too far into discussing them on any of my shows you know now that you mention it too like i it's not like i don't have any experience with these things like Mm -hmm. i also have played a lot of shooters Mm -hmm. you know like we were talking about fear like i played all the fear games i played um you know i don't i don't just dislike shooting things like sometimes i'm into it uh it is just not i don't consider maybe it's like a an insecurity like i don't consider myself super versed Mm -hmm. 
And so I don't want to talk about it that much. Yeah. And yeah, and I, I am wary too. I'm glad you brought up the point that it's intellectually lazy to bring up Call of Duty all the time because I'm guilty of that. And I realize that's not the monolithic face of the genre. It's just like the biggest one, but it's yeah. not everything there is. Yeah. So, and, and you know, like p- p- piling on even more security. I, I did like a pow pow power wheels thing there for a second. Yeah, p- p- piling on insecurity. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Piano sting. Uh, no, I also don't play multiplayer shooters because I'm bad at them. I am bad yeah. at video games. So like I can't speak with any authority. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I mean, I don't play multiplayer shooters the same reasons why I don't play League of Legends or anything. Like I just don't actually, I'm not a competitive gamer yeah. in any way. Yeah. Yeah. Like I do play like me and my buddy Derek have done gone through like the, you know, Left 4 Dead campaigns a thousand times. Mm-hmm. Co-op. Judge Dread, Dread versus Death. We beat that whole game co-op. Like, if you give me a co-op FPS, I'm going to play it. I like playing multiplayer. I just don't like playing against people in games. Yeah. It's just not very interesting to me. And it, it has this weird game, like the perpetual game trap mm-hmm. where, like, it, the experience, like, it's kind of part of the reason why I think people are so, like, there are people who just buy Call of Duty games every year, you know, for the multiplayer is because, like, that is a, a ridiculous value because you have this ever changing opponent and ever. Like you can never master it, you know. Like you, like it's very hard to end up being like the, mm-hmm. you know, fat- fatality or what have you, to be on two fatality. Um, <laughs> so, so it is, it is a perpetual experience. But I just, I play too many games, and I'm interested in too many games to want to get into a game that like, mm-hmm. I just need to grind to get better at fighting increasingly difficult opponents. Yeah. And so the same way, I don't even do that much uh, Dark Souls multiplayer. Like, mm-hmm. I'm a real single player experience, dude. Yeah. Well, I think it's the difference between solving a problem and sharpening the blade. Yeah. <laughs> right yeah like i'd rather yeah. solve the problem yeah and there are like there are games that i do feel like i do take some joy and mastery like i feel like mm-hmm. i'm very good at dark souls and yeah. i like that sense and like i'm i'm i feel like i'm very good at binding of isaac and i like mm-hmm. that sense yeah but i don't have that for that many games yeah. like i'm at my like you know i'm almost at my my threshold and yeah. i'm not good at dark souls multiplayer no no like i'm not good at that i'm just good at playing the single player there are games where that's a part of the where that's a part of the enjoyment too like god hand that was you know the, my, my arc of mastering that not mastering yeah. but like you know rising to the challenges that it put in front of me that's a huge part of playing that game yeah we're you even know, going back to what we're talking about like shovel knight where you're like learning all the techniques mm-hmm. and stuff like there it's not like about it being too hard necessarily it's about like a moving goalpost. Mm-hmm. You know, like I give me a goal to complete. I want to complete it and I want to get good enough at that goal. Give me a goal that is a gigantic amorphous, like the entire player base, <laughs> you know, consisting mostly of random people, mm-hmm. you know, that I'm not as interested in. Yeah. So some great disc. I, I don't mean to toot our own horn, but we've like cracked some nuts this, this, uh, this episode. Yeah, it was, it was a real breakthrough for us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I feel like I know myself better as a gamer <laughs> and as a son and lover so, yeah. <laughs> i don't know i just i just had to pause and you know say damn this is good um oh. not like as an episode but like in the curve vonnegut way yeah yeah there we go uh so graham writes in via contact saying i only completed half-life last spring after trying it a few times ever since it uh since it was released uh, i enjoyed it a lot despite being annoyed for most of the game it's an older game, so the physics and overall feel of the movement is pretty awkward. I didn't mind platforming in my shooters, but there was a lot of it in Half-Life, and it was often a little too complicated for Half-Life's jumping and running physics. Most of my uh, deaths sorry, deaths, came from walking into electric traps or death pits instead of traditional means like enemies shooting and attacking you. I felt the game was too long, which is weird because I can be a real length whore <laughs> when it comes oh, to games. 
Uh, but I felt the game was too long because I was so frustrated with many obstacles the game threw at me, uh, like the platforming and stuff, uh, like the minefields. If the challenge was more breezy, uh, then I probably wouldn't have minded. So why did I enjoy it? The level design was pretty great, and moving through this world was a lot of fun. Shooting enemies and managing ammo was enjoyable, even though the enemies had way too much health. Maybe it was the difficulty settings. Um, it, was a, it was an immersive experience, and I can see why a lot of people love it. All in all, I think Half-Life reminds me that not all legendary groundbreaking, groundbreaking games age well. While games like Super Mario World and Super Metroid still look good in hindsight, Half-Life, in many ways, remains a product of its time. Well said. Yeah. I think that a product of its time, like there are more products of their time between 1995 and 2003 than in any other. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was, that was a trade, a difficult, <laughs> a difficult time for us Yeah, <laughs> as a, as a, as a hobby. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, the late thing is interesting. Um, Cause we, we, you know, full disclosure, like neither of us were cram jamming this for a deadline, as we mentioned. Um, but I think that that link thing has been informed by, doing podcasts on games mm -hmm. where like even before I always preferred a shorter game, but my definition of a shorter game has contracted a little bit just based on the fact that we're so often playing them for deadlines Yeah, to where now like a, like a seven hour runtime is a huge thing. Like it's like, Hmm, let's sign me. Yeah. All right. <laughs> yeah. You know, that, that's, a, that's a, you know, I'm, I'm the opposite of a, I'm a short whore. <laughs> yeah. Like I'm, 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 you know, I'm, I'm a different kind of length whore. Um, you know, not, and not that like, as I could mention, like I've been, I'm like an hour, like 30 or 35 of divinity like i'm really giving that game a serious effort um so it's not like all games have to be short but like yeah it's just i feel like even when it's not actively a presence it's affected my perspective yeah on games i think i respond to the pacing a lot is the thing yeah and, you know i like i will always say resident evil 4 is way too long um mm -hmm. you know just because the pacing is inconsistent and i i think I, you know that that is that that is a huge issue for me and i like you i'm getting more sensitive to that as as time goes on and i don't know like it may be because of our life choices but it also might be because time in general is always is always getting more valuable every second that you, that you exist is slightly more valuable than the previous one right because and there neither are of us have kids that. or anything either yeah, yeah exactly like if you if you wanted to tell us to shut up based on this because you only get like an hour a week to play games like uh -huh. that's fair yeah you know like we we realize that like mm -hmm. in some ways we're very privileged life is a struggle for everybody yes, for, no matter for what <laughs> so, yeah yeah we've learned a lot of things today during this exercise <laughs> yes we have uh -huh. <laughs> uh, th that thing about the jumping and running physics uh I, I didn't mention it just because i quick saved around it but there were a lot of times where it's like you need to stand on this crate except your momentum in stopping do you know when you do when you do this run there is no like safe way to just not overshoot the thing that you're trying to like run and jump off of it is mm -hmm. remarkably loosey-goosey in a way that the shooting is not yeah yeah, absolutely. Like, and think about, um, man, just something we never mentioned, but it happens a lot where they make you fall through a, like a, a pit that will kill you, but you land on a crate that breaks into a health pack mm -hmm. that breaks your fall. How weird is that <laughs> as a thing? And if you just fall in the crate the wrong way, it is an instant unavoidable death. Yep. Like there's one of those shoots that I just did over and over and over. And I was like, this is an inelegant solution to this. <laughs> like, yeah, I don't know why that way made me, I guess it's just the jumping Thing that made me think of that, but just like that's that's bad. Yeah, that's all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, we had a ton of great responses. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, everybody. Yeah. Um, if you have responses about God Hand, which you should, yeah, because it's great. And if you haven't played God Hand, go pick it up. Yeah, for fuck's sake, you'll like it. Yeah, 
You'll like it. Um, hit us up at duckfeed.tv forward slash contact or the Facebook page mm-hmm. at uh, facebook.com forward slash watch out for fireballs. Yeah. Boy, I, I don't think that I've seen as much exuberance out of the Something Awful podcast thread since we oh, announced yeah. like, like the, the, that that made that made the thread come alive. Yeah. People were into us doing God Hand. Yeah. So what's it, the exact definition of like, and I said it before, it's like a Suda 51 game you play because of the gameplay <laughs> instead of in spite of it. Yep. Like it is very fun to play and is also has all of that personality. Like what a treat. Mm-hmm. It's everything I wanted, you know, Deadly Premonition and Killer 7 to be, <laughs> you know, while still, you know, liking the, both those games to a degree. But like this takes that weirdoness and just yeah. actually makes a working game around it. Yeah. So. <laughs> so if you're not into god hand which of course you you ought to be yeah um, i i will i will make that categorical categorical statement uh right behind that we have resident evil the remake for gamecube mm-hmm. yeah yeah and uh after that we have uh, i have no mouth and i must scream yeah the uh the adventure game that is available everywhere yeah um yeah so the uh yeah we've been recording for a long time yes we have um do all the normal stuff iTunes ratings, reviews, patreon.com forward slash duckfeed.tv. Duckfeed.tv slash chip jar. Yeah. We're, we're, yep. we're getting up on that Christmas creep, so uh, that is a great yeah. way to uh, <laughs> to usher the that Christmas in. Christmas creeps. Yeah. We're the Christmas creeps. <laughs> um, yeah. And uh, stay tuned for the, the extra episode, which is just really one long story <laughs> of magic gone awry. <laughs> oh, good so. night. If it is okay with you, I more or less have our extra episode under wrap because i had to tell you about yesterday okay. so i don't know if you had any funny things you wanted to say for b-roll <laughs> no but no. i had a pretty pretty interesting day yesterday okay uh yeah i really don't have anything happening yesterday was mostly just work working on stuff well yesterday for me was uh me and elizabeth we do surprise date yeah which i've mentioned before we take turns mm-hmm. this was her turn to surprise me and uh i'll i'll, I'll go in chronological order so the event, which I didn't know what it was at this time, was in this dead mall. So I was in this dead mall. I went to the bathroom, and this Russian dude, like there was a there was a, a baseball card show in the floor of the dead mall. Okay. And the Russian guy in a leather jacket was like, "Do you know you know Do you know what that is?" And, and I was like, oh, "I think it's a baseball card show." He's like, "Cool. Do you like sports?" And I was like, "No, I'm, you know, not really a sports guy." He's like, "You let me guess. You like movies. You like Netflix." And I was like, <laughs> yeah. yep. You know, and he's like, what kind of movie you like? Comedy? And I'm like, sure. And he goes, listen, man, on Netflix, you have to watch Lost. It is addictive. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> so that happened. And then, uh, then we left. And what we went to, uh, because I have an appreciation for stage magic. Like, I like stage magic. Yeah. And, uh, Portland, though, is a shitty magic town, <laughs> and the place we went to, the All-American Magic Show, was two two hours of the most regressive thing I've seen in Portland. Like, that could be the tagline for it, 100%. <laughs> is, is it just called The Cure for Portland? It, it is. It is. There are probably people who are like, I hate all this culture and 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 you know uh right thinking like let's yeah. go to this thing out in the boondocks yeah at this dead mall uh, p- people it, yeah people who would open for jeff dunham yeah yeah it was pretty gross it was two people and they each <laughs> did two sets of a half hour long and the first guy uh looks like 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 a grosser pendulette 
Ooh. Like a pendulette that you dipped into a melted candle, like coated with a thin layer of wax. Yeah, so Pendulette like, probably crossed with Danny DeVito from season seven of It's Always Sunny and Beyond. or And like crossed with like Guy Fieri. Like he's wearing like a flame shirt and he had the cool fedora on. Okay. And uh, he, he talked like he ate like a box of Kleenex before the thing. Like, <laughs> like he's just trying to, to get his jokes out between, between his things. And he was uh, like really, really bad. Everything like bad magic. Like some of it's still impressive to me because I don't, you know, I don't understand how these tricks work. Yeah, he's a witch. The uh, but some of it is like bad <laughs> magic, but like crazy racist and gross. Oh, like uh, he had this thing about going to the Mystic Orient Uh-oh. and learning a trick from or learning a trick from a character he made up called uh, Fu Ling Yu, um, who he did the Aso voice with big teeth. And everything he said was punctuated by a dun 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 dun, and it ended with a gong. <laughs> did he, okay, when you say when you say big teeth, did he put in literal big teeth? No, and when you say ended with a gong, did he have a gong? No, he had. There was this amazing like out of work carny who was running the sound on this laptop <laughs> to the side, the visible laptop. Yeah. But and he just stuck his lips to the top of his teeth to make his top teeth look bigger. Ooh. It was like so uncomfortable. What, like, what, what was the temperature of the crowd? Like weirdly into it. Like, <laughs> like lots of kids because it was a magic show, right? And then lots of just like extras from Gumo. Yeah. Like it was, you know, it was a real like kind of gross, like Midwestern Ohio, like the worst parts of Ohio. Yeah, okay. Okay. Worst parts. You know, like okay. Yeah, like worst parts, not like Cincinnati, <laughs> but like Gumo. Yeah. Um. So he did that. Southeastern. Yeah. There we go. He did that, which was gross. And then he continued on doing his thing. And the rest of his set was not particularly awful or anything. Second guy comes out who runs this magic thing, and they do classes and stuff. And he looked, I've never seen anyone who looks more like a Tim Heidecker character. Like, he looked (laughs) like Tim Heidecker. Like, Tim Heidecker plus about 20 pounds. Mm -hmm. Um, Wireless mic. Little tiny headphone, or little tiny, um, not headphone ponytail <laughs> in the back like dorky vest he, like he sounded like tim heidecker he was like just a tim heidecker character yeah and he was real like he was the more professional serious one but was still bad and kept doing like these just like weird hacky jokes from the 50s like he had some plan to the audience who was like hey tell me how you did that trick and he's like well if i told you i'd have to kill you and then he's like can you tell my wife and then it was, it was like just like super weirdly regressive <laughs> like the whole time <laughs> He went through though. He was he was better than the other guy as far as magic goes. Uh-huh. Still like sloppy and stuff. First guy comes out again after an intermission. Like this is a two hour thing, Jesus which like Christ. is is pretty intense. First guy comes back out. No racism, even though like he did talk about traveling the world and getting tricks from other areas. He just didn't have any characters. <laughs> you know, it wasn't like Ravi Iwanakab, you know, or anything like that. Like right. it was just a. Uh, and then he did this puppet. Like he does ventriloquism. He had this puppet, and he had this like. Little girl, like there are lots of kids in the audience, like like twelve year old girl, come up on stage and like, you know how ventri- like the central concept of ventriloquism is that puppets are horny. Yeah, yeah. You know, like that's all puppets. You know, ventriloquism is about is like, oh, I've got this puppet. It's got a huge boner. Got to let it talk about it. Um, he just had this bird, and he was just like, "You're hot," and like, and it was like this super young child. It was really, really uncomforting. Like really, really unfortunate. And and again, I have to ask: 
what was the temperature of the crowd? I think people were like the little girl was laughing at it. Oh, like no. everyone was kind of laughing. Like everyone, like it was a gross thing to to show to our daughters. Yeah, as a people, but everyone seemed to be in pretty good spirits. Amy and Elizabeth are the only people there with any sense of you know consciousness about that. So that was really gross, and he did a couple other things that were gross. Um, and then the first, the second guy came out again for this finale. He did a bunch of tricks. Um, one bright spot was there was a part where he was uh, doing like a little dance. Like all the musical cues were really obvious. Like you know he'd be like he'd he'd be like this next trick. I think you'll find a little bit. Oh, it's unbelievable! Oh, you know <laughs> like that kept happening. But he was like dancing with his assistant, and uh, one of the little a little kid behind us went, "He likes her," and that was that was really great. Um, but at the end of his his thing, he literally goes, "He's like, you know, you guys have all had a good time, I'm sure. This has been great. No. But uh, let me tell you, you ain't seen nothing yet." Oh, and then starts clapping before the music comes in. And then you ain't seen nothing yet comes up for the last uh, trick. And it was just, it was amazing. Like, it, me and Elizabeth came out of it, like, the whole thing really tense and, like, <laughs> drained in this weird way from, like, feeling uncomfortable and exhausted and weirded out and time-traveled. And, like, it was so fucking weird, man. All-American Magic Show. <laughs> is, that, is that what it's called? Yep. Wow. Yep, the All-American Magic Show in, in uh, Portland, Oregon, Mall 205. Dead Mall, which is out, like, it's almost in Gresham. Like, it's out by the Burbs. Yeah, yeah. Which which makes a sense. <laughs> but it is, and when we came in, like, the, one of the, two of the guys who were working to, like, hawk the magic show were practicing a secret handshake mm-hmm. that ended with miming, uh, toking a, a, a blunt. <laughs> like, it was like, you know, handshake, and then <sighs> at the end, that was the end of their handshake. <laughs> God. Like it was just, it was, it was real nuts. I would be so into that. <laughs> it was like, it was fascinating. Like, I mean, at the same time being like way too long. And yeah, it'd be a two hour panic attack, but <laughs> it was like, I was glad after I went, like Elizabeth just comes like, I'm so sorry I brought you here. This is not what the reviews said it was. <laughs> and I was just like, no, I am so glad that I did this because it's a good story <laughs> and I've never seen anything like it and we'll never see anything like it again. <laughs> like this, is this is a unique weird experience and for that i thank you <laughs> um <laughs> oh man so so i i hear that story and if i saw that show all i could think of is what is their tour bus like <laughs> i i think they're local oh, are like, they local yeah i think so but like you know just like <laughs> i don't know just to implant myself in that act for a little bit <laughs> oh totally or like to go to the, what because the, the second guy is the guy who teaches the magic classes yeah like what's the crowd at like at that classroom <laughs> Who are these Gresham teens who are like going there to learn magic from this just like sad, sad dad? <laughs> sad dad. Super sad dad. Huh. Yeah, the, uh, the first guy had this. He also did uh, like bad ventrilo because I'm pretty bad magic. Really good at balloon animals. Oh. And did, did a, a part about balloon animals for a while. And uh, he had this long routine about like getting his daughter an animal for her birthday, but her daughter wanted to go to the mall. And he just kept like going back and forth and doing this like, but I want to go to the mall voice that was just like, and it went on forever. Oh, <laughs> like, women be shopping, so, right? It was, it was so gross. Ugh. It was, it was so fucking gross. <laughs> and it's just like, who is this guy? He kept, um, 
when he spread his arms, the bottom of his fire shirt, which he changed into a different fire shirt, by the way, <laughs> he had a shirt with the same pattern, but different color fires. And me and Elizabeth both noticed it. It wasn't our imagination. <laughs> but the bottom of his shirt opened up and I've never seen a more hairless stomach on a man. <laughs> like it looked like it looked like a, a shaved baby's head poking out from on, like above his belt. Like he was prepped for surgery. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like he just had an appendectomy right before he went on stage. <laughs> he was wheeling an IV bag on a cart behind him. Yeah, it was it was really something else. <laughs> the show must go on. Gong beat. Yeah. Oh boy. Oh wow. Yeah, it was did really they, something. Did they have any merch? Uh, they had, there's that little like mobile magic store that was outside on one of those little mall kiosks. Okay. That's old magic stuff. Yeah. Like, 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 like a trick deck of cards, some astronaut ice cream. Yeah. Like a thousands of VHSs of weird magicians I'd never heard of, <laughs> like teaching you how to do tricks and stuff, which is like, I like stage magic. Mm-hmm. It's neat, but it's such a, like, there are no like approachable good, you know, there are very few like approachable, good, funny stage magicians. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not really a thing, you know? We don't have that as a cultural archetype. No, we don't. It's like they're either like libertarian monsters or they're like, I'm a mysterious bad boy. You know, they're like Chris Angels and and mind freaks. Yeah. You're David Blaine's. Yeah. Yeah. So. Huh. When you say the when you say the magic was sloppy, what do you mean? Um, Like the magic tricks. It wasn't easy to necessarily see how they did some of the stuff. Mm-hmm. But the uh, like the flourishes and like timing things to the music was really unpolished. Okay. So like it would like you did this like rings uh routine, which like I can I can handle some linking rings. Mm-hmm. That's yeah, that's interesting to me. But it was just like so uncoordinated and sloppy the way he was doing it. Yeah. You know, and plus he I mean he looked like he just like like all of his limbs were left legs. Like he was just he was a <laughs> big, big dumb guy. He was a big, big dumb fella. So you know, I wasn't expecting him to be the most graceful, right. graceful man. This was the first guy. The second guy had his act together more, but was also you know, problematic in his own way. Yeah, missing his beats. Not offensive. Like he had, at no point was he, you know, he was he was actually great. If the whole thing was just that guy, I would think it was hilarious and wonderful. The guy with <laughs> the really inappropriate music cues and yeah. Um, but he got real mad at the sound guy at one point because he brought out this trick that involved a guillotine and supposed to chop a carrot in half and didn't chop the carrot in half. <laughs> it's my dick. And he got yeah, like well, you no, know, he he was not that good. Like he was. Yeah, I know. I, I wish he had been like that. I'm he, conflating them. Sorry. Yeah. It's, 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 well, the other guy was not dirty either. He was just like <laughs> offensive. Right. Um, the uh, like they wanted to be adult magicians, but such a thing doesn't really exist. Right. You know. Um, but he did that and he got really mad and he was mad at the sound guy and he's like, "All right, intermission, intermission," and then and then like the sound guy said something we couldn't hear. And he's like, "Okay, okay, we can end with this thing," and they did a different trick before the intermission. <laughs> it was just very like. He was very serious about it. Yeah. He also, at the very beginning, he said, he's like, hey, a magician just won America's Got Talent. Let's give it up for that. <laughs> hey, everybody, you know? that's a plot for magic. <laughs> yeah, it was very, like, he was an ambassador for the brand. <laughs> it was it was intense. <laughs> but, oh, man, it's a, yeah. qu- it's a quest for validation. Fooling you was really the low point of, like, yesterday in general. <laughs> Like, and it just, it went on for so long. Like it was a fine trick. Yeah. It was a fine trick. It didn't need him to do the accent. Right. It could just have been a guy, Yeah, you know, it was, a <laughs> he was gilding the lily. Yeah. He, he really was. He, he was, was really, guilty. He was gilding like, the lotus. Yeah. He was really throwing some, some shade on the lily. Yeah. Like the lily and manure. Ugh. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's that's great. It was, love, it was love, very fascinating. I love that she apologized. Yeah, she, like halfway through, like because we were both just like had our eyes wide open at certain parts, like in disbelief, and then she's like, "I'm so sorry, I took you here." <laughs> just like, like clasping each other's hands. It was we were we was us against them. Like it was, <laughs> I felt very much like it, the whole thing was really, like seemed like a goosebumps a little bit. Like we were going to get transported to a mystical realm or something like that, because it was shady and and kind of like seamy in a way that you know stories are made from. Yeah, just try and sneak out the back, and then a floorboard creaks, and everybody's head turns. Yeah, <laughs> like all the ones staring at you. Mm-hmm. Oh, and this one's trying to disappear. <laughs> I'm going to be like, this one's trying to disappear. Let's give him a hand. Yeah. Hey, this one's saying, don't stand so. Don't stand so. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, that's, that, that, that is a good story. It was it was worth it just for that. And yeah. so I'll never do it again. Yeah, yeah. So, so, so I'm not, I'm just, I'm picking apart various details of this, of this story. When you say Portland is not a good magic town. <laughs> I mean that there's not like a magic, like, I feel like there aren't very many legit places to see magic. I feel like this is right. like, this is where it's at. I've seen one other magician in Portland mm-hmm. at like a, a weird little thing that was pretty decent, but uh, there's not really a venue for it, which I guess is most towns. Yeah. You know, other than LA. Yeah. But, um, Yeah. Yeah. Oh, see, see, my semi-educated opinion or guess would be that maybe there is magic that happens, but it is between acts at burlesque shows. That's probably true. Like, yeah. there probably is more magic. Uh, I know the guy that we saw the first time did um, did magic at a strip club. Yeah. Like, was there like one? You know, just as an in-between thing because it's such a, it's such a weird skill set mm-hmm. as a performer. Like, it's not like something that you know mm. you can really get get work doing it seems like yeah i was wondering like i was trying to think of if that is why uh magicians tend to be kind of gross is because their profession straddles this line between um like kid friendly and you know but that doesn't like they don't want to be there's no respect in that yeah if you're just a kid magician mm-hmm. you know yeah um yeah but that's but that's pretty weird because like my understanding of of comedy is there's actually like you can you can cut out a niche for yourself if you play clean a little bit like that, yeah. that opens up a certain amount of like high paying, you know, gigs. Relatively. Missouri-esque. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. if, you know, if, if you're walking around like and you advertise yourself as, hey, I can come and play at your corporate function. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So I guess maybe that like it's, it's probably a, a selection thing, though, because I'm not seeing those people. Right. Um, because I'm not at corporate functions like those people probably do exist. And there were like Elizabeth was researching it because um, she knows I like stage magic and was looking um, at places. And there are lots of like individual guys you could rent to do like close up magic at parties and stuff. Yeah. Who seems slightly more classy. Mm-hmm. Probably. So, so now I'm just picturing a personal magic show for you two. Well, that's what that's what I because she she jokes. She's like, "What if I was surprised? It was just like we're going to go to my house and hang out with the dogs." That's kind of a joke. And then I thought about how amazing it would be if we did that, and there was just like a guy in a suit. We walked in, who was just like, "Pick a card," you know. <laughs> would you have to feed him? I, I would assume he was the bad guy from uh, what is it, Lost Highway? So just, uh, Robert Blake. Yeah, I just assume he's Robert Blake. Do, do you have no eyebrows, sir? Yeah. <laughs> Mister Mr. Magician. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. 
I have no like I have no point of reference. I don't know that I've ever seen a magic show. Yeah, I, I've seen like two now in the last month because I saw yeah. one at the Renaissance Fair I was at. Oh yeah. The um, was it was it yeah. Renaissance themed or was it like okay we need something? No, it was it was kind of like he dressed up like a Renaissance guy. But he I told you about him. He he talked like Eddie Pepitone. Oh, he was like, it's, now it's time for another warm up effect. <laughs> like he had that voice and it was very funny. But he was yeah. not disgusting. Like uh-huh. he was respectful and stuff. So it was great. He was non racist and. Uh, you know. How much of that do you think had to do with the fact that there was sunlight? <laughs> Probably some. Yeah. Um, he was also like an old hippie, not like an old like Jackie Gleason style yeah, vaudevillian, yeah. you know? Like old hippies are nice. Old performers are kind of gross. Right, right. All right. Do you want to get uh, get started? Yes, I would. I, I My gut is telling me this is going to be a longish episode, so I'm probably going to be aggressive about moving us on. Yeah, that's that's fine with me. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's a long. Is the sketch in the? Uh... Uh, I just put it in. Put it in there while you were telling your story. Um, yeah. Um. So, <clears throat> this came to me because I heard Rodney Dangerfield's name, and I started thinking about Rodney Dangerfield as I do, and I thought about if he was two degrees more attractive, like if he, okay. if, he if he didn't look like a like look like a total goof. He wouldn't be Rodney Dangerfield. He would be Rod Dangerfield, which is probably the best name. I That's think. true. Yeah, we <laughs> like, have an association with that name as being being particularly goony, but it's not right. So, yeah. So it's like he's such a fascinating character, and he, you know, yeah, yeah he plays against his name. Yeah, it's like a Bud Manstrong. If you like, <laughs> you know, ooh, ooh, ooh. <laughs> you know? hey, I'm a big old me. Hey, everybody. <laughs> Oh, hey, uh, you know what? Uh, uh. Uh, so, which one of us does a better Rodney Dangerfield? Um, here, let me find a line, and I'll see if I can do it. Okay. Um, and we'll we'll, we'll kind of do it both of us. Um, hey, my yeah, you do it better. Yeah. <laughs> Probably. Hey. My last recent detected. Uh, he's this little guy. Uh, he's on the smooches. Like that. I. It just sounds like a. Uh, 50s New York guy. Yeah. Hey, minor lacerations detected. Hey, he's, hey, hey there, little guy. He's on the smooches. I don't We're think your sister would appreciate voice. it. Yeah. <laughs> Neither of us are good at that. Oh, well. <laughs> yeah. Like, we, we, we literally just did almost exactly the same voice. Yeah. At least in, in hearing it yeah. for, for <clears> Maya. Um, but I am, I am fine acquiescing to that. Like, I'm not yeah, hungry yeah. for it'll, it. It'll, it'll, it'll play as goofy. It's, it's real dumb. Yeah. 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 Uh, do you want to do Kleiner? Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll give a Kleiner. I had a thought if we ended up doing a, a sketch that was more Kleiner intensive, mm-hmm. seeing if I could get Jeremy Parrish to record some lines for it, because <laughs> he does an amazing Kleiner. Yep. Like he, do, he just does, he does it really, really well. But I will do it so it doesn't seem like a total solo bolo. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. I'm ready when you are. Okay. <clears throat> 